1: new face filters on Instagram today. This is my favorite one so far. Nice job, team. This is the worst.
2: people, that was humanoid billionaire Mark Zuckerberg. I'm regular human Dave Rubin. This is February 1st, 2024. We're live streaming on Rumble YouTube and Locals. The name of the show is The Rubin Report. <laughs> and our theme today uh, is about that Mark Zuckerberg guy because he was hauled in front of the Senate yesterday to be grilled on what Facebook is doing as it relates to content moderation and child porn and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it was Frickin' circus. So why don't we just dive right in? Uh, Here is Mark Zuckerberg uh, being asked by Senator Josh Hawley if there's any connection between young people using social media and having worse mental health.
1: With so much of our lives spent on mobile devices and social media, it's important to look into the effects on teen mental health and well-being. I take this very seriously. Mental health is a complex issue, and the existing body of scientific work has not shown a causal link between using social media and young people having worse mental health outcomes.
2: All right, so there is a big tech billionaire saying that the big tech stuff doesn't cause worse mental health for young people, and apparently he has a study to back him up. Uh, I thought it might be interesting to show you this from a Senate hearing back in 1994.
1: Yes or no, do you believe nicotine is not addictive? I believe nicotine is not addictive, yes. Mr.
2: Johnston. Congressman, cigarettes and nicotine clearly do not meet the classic definitions of addiction. There is no right. intoxication. We'll,
1: we'll take that as a no. And, again, time is short. If you could just, I think each of you believe nicotine is not addictive. We just would like to have this for the record. I don't believe that nicotine
3: or our products are addictive. See
2: hey, what we did there. Uh, let me start here because we're going to show you a couple other clips of of zuckerberg really getting grilled uh zuckerberg you know most of you have seen the movie the social network people know the story kind of dorky kid creates facebook or sort of half steals it in essence because he wanted to pick up chicks at harvard it becomes this massive thing he becomes this elite world power guy who appears to be a robot. He's socially awkward and kind of stilted in the way he speaks and the way he does human interactions. Uh, But it does fall on him at the end of the day. He is the CEO of Facebook, of Meta. That is what the company is called now. And it does fall on him uh, if the buck is to stop anywhere when bad things are happening on his platforms. And of course, it's not just Facebook because Facebook now owns Instagram, and that seems to be really where particularly young girls, girls from about 11 to 17, are getting hooked, getting depressed, getting, you know, seeing un uh, uh, images that are not incongruent with the way they can actually look in real life, and that makes them feel worse, and getting bullied, and sexually harassed, and all of those things. So I, it's, at some level, even though he's about to get smacked down for a couple of videos we're gonna show you here, he did show up and he played the part. I think that's worth a little bit of credit, uh, but now let's just watch him kind of get smacked down. Here's Josh Hawley going after him for the child sexual exploitation, which we all know is happening on these platforms.
4: I said you mischaracterized- 37% today. of teenage girls between 13 and 15 were exposed to unwanted nudity in a week on Instagram. You knew about it. Who did you fire? Senator, this is why we're building all- Who these did you fire? Tools. Senator, that's, I don't think that that's- Who did you fire?
1: Uh, I'm not going to answer that. Because um, <laughs> you this didn't is... fire
4: anybody, right? You didn't take so any there, significant I, I don't think action.
1: It's appropriate to talk about it, it, like individual it's not appropriate. HR decisions. In, in Do you know who's sitting like behind
4: that? you? You've got families from across the nation whose children are either severely harmed or gone, and you don't think it's appropriate to take a, talk about steps that you took. The fact that you didn't fire a I, single person. To, let, me let, the me the steps steps let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Have you compensated any of the victims? Sorry. Have you compensated any of the victims? I, These girls, I, have you compensated them? I don't believe so. Wh- you, why not? Wh- 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 don't you think they deserve some compensation for what your platform has done? Help Senator, with counseling services? Help with dealing with the issues that your, your services has caused? Our,
1: our job is to make sure that we build tools to help keep people safe. Are you going to platform? compensate them? Senator, our job and what we take seriously is making sure that we build industry-leading tools to find harmful to content, make money. take it off the services, uh, to make money. and to build tools that empower parents. So you didn't, but, you didn't
4: that's didn't that's take any true, action, you didn't take any action, you didn't fire anybody, you haven't that's compensated a that's single not, victim. That's...
2: All right, there's a couple things going on here. The reason I mentioned sort of the dorkiness of this socially awkward guy who starts this thing at Harvard and then becomes, give me the number of what, what's Zuckerberg worth now. It's like he becomes this unbelievably powerful person running this thing that is unimaginably ubiquitous in our lives that, has influences on us that we can see, the obvious ones we can see and plenty that we can't see just by how the algorithm works and everything else. And it's like, if you took that dorky kid from 20 years ago at Harvard and flash forward him in his life and you were like, oh, you're gonna have billions and billions of dollars and all of this influence. And you're also basically gonna be running a platform that is, as Holly pointed out, showing 37% of girls, I think, what was it, 13 to 17 uh, unwanted nudity It's like, man, there is a Faustian bargain there. He is worth, Zuckerberg, $141 billion. So I think there's something in all of us that's like, oh, you see somebody that's got all that, And it's like watching him get kind of taken out to the shed, there's something oddly satisfying about it. There was also a weird answer there when he says, "You know, it's our job to create tools to keep people safe. And Holly's like, no, it's your job to make money. And of course, actually that is his job. His job is to make money. The CEO of a car company, his job is not to keep everybody safe, that's a function of the job. It is to sell as many cars as possible, keep the board happy so the shareholders are happy, especially if it's, a public company. Um, Should Zuckerberg maybe take, I don't know, he's got 141 bill, it's probably not all liquid. Could he take 500 mil and figure out ways to compensate some of the young women who have been hurt by some of this stuff? And by the way, it's not just girls, although they were mostly focusing on that. Probably could, uh, but as you guys know, most of these congressional hearings, they just kind of bring them in they smack him around and then nothing really happens uh, in, the, in the real world, although this was an interesting moment. Hawley was just going on and just not letting Zuckerberg off the hook. And they had some of the families of kids who have been exposed to porn, I think who have committed suicide and, and just a bunch of awful things. Uh, and he basically forced Zuckerberg to get up and apologize to them right there.
4: So let me ask you this, there's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? Would I'm, you like to do so now? Well, They're here, you're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? I, 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 I'm sorry. So, to be
1: This is why we invested so much and are going to continue doing industry-leading efforts to, uh, to make sure that no one has to go through the types of things that your families have had to suffer.
2: So it's a bit of a struggle session there. You might say that's too heavy-handed by Holly. Zuckerberg did get up and do it. I hope he means it forthrightly that the tools that they've created on this platform and his, his intention was to meet girls. Like that was why he created the Facebook. It was called the Facebook at the time. And then it just became this thing that everyone has on their phone. Although I don't have Facebook on my phone, pretty impressive. Um, I do have Instagram, sorry. Um, so he does that. And uh, and you might go, all right, he didn't know exactly what he was creating. It became so much bigger. Nobody's perfect, no system is perfect. And I'm actually somewhat sympathetic to all of those points. But then it took a real turn. Ted Cruz got up there and he went after Zuckerberg for exactly how Facebook has sort of intentionally allowed children to see sexual material.
3: Instagram also displayed the following warning screen. To individuals who were searching for child abuse material the these results may contain images of child sexual abuse and then you gave users two choices get resources or see results anyway mr. Zuckerberg what the hell were you thinking
1: all right senator um, the, the the basic science behind that is that when people are searching for something that is problematic, it's often helpful to rather than just blocking it to help direct them towards something that um, that could be helpful for getting them to get help. In, in what I also, understand,
3: get resources. In what sane universe is there a link for C results anyway?
1: Well, because we might be wrong. We we try to trigger this this uh, warning or we tried to. Um, when we think that there's any chance that there is, okay, you might, might be hard.
3: wrong. Let me ask you: How many times was this wording screen displayed?
1: I don't know, but the but the hey, you don't know. Why reason?
3: don't you know? I, I I don't know the answer to that.
1: All
2: right, there it's like Zuckerberg. They got you. They got you. We we all get to take you to resources, right? So you're for whatever reason you've searched this stuff. You're struggling. I don't know. Whatever it is, take resources get off this addiction, blah, blah, blah. The results anyway, and, and Zuckerberg's trying to say, and, and as someone that's created a tech company, like I am sympathetic to all of the issues that arise that you don't even realize are issues and everything else, but how did they not realize the results anyway? Someone's searching for child exploitation stuff. It's like, no, that should not be on the platform. Like they have to have a department and they do have a department, I believe, that it's their job and what a horrific job. And now it can be enhanced by AI, of course, so you don't need humans doing it that have to go out there and and see this stuff and and make that judgment call and everything else. So so they really kind of nailed him on that and Cruz went a little further. One more clip for you.
3: A potential pedophile clicking on, I'd like to see child porn. What did you do next when that happened? Senator, I think that an important piece of context here, is that any context that we think is child
1: sexual abuse Mr. Zuckerberg, that's
3: called a question. What did you do next when someone clicked? You may be getting child sexual abuse images, and they click, see results anyway. What was your next step? You said you might be wrong. Did anyone examine, was it in fact? Child sexual abuse material. Did anyone report that user? Did anyone go and try to protect that child? What did you do next,
1: Senator? We take down anything that we think is sexual abuse material on the service, and we do did. Did anyone report verify
3: to- whether it was in fact child sexual abuse material?
1: Senator, I don't know if, if every single search result we're following up on, but in, did, did but you report the, board, the people
3: who wanted it? Senator, do you want me to answer your question? Yeah, I want you to answer the question I'm asking. Did you report time to the people them? who click see results anyway? Uh, that's probably one of the factors
1: that we use in reporting, and in general, I mean, we've reported more people and done more reports like this to Nick the National Center of Missing Exploited Children, than any other company in the industry. We proactively go out of our way across our services to do this, and have made I think it's more than 26 million reports, which is more than the whole rest of the industry combined. So, Mr. Zuckerberg, and Mr. Zuckerberg, that, that we, your that we company, take this and every seriously.
3: social media company needs to do much more to protect children.
2: Anyway, I'm showing you all of this because it's an interesting. Well, first off, it's catching fire online, and it's an interesting piece of the of the puzzle that's sort of wrong with everything right now, right? Like the, the material shouldn't be there. There's no system that's perfect. You've got you know, congressmen who want perfect answers to imperfect systems, you've got billionaires being hauled out and having struggle sessions and everything else. I would say this this issue, and this is the real reason I wanna talk about it, 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 it's basically like the issue of our time, how will we behave? with technology as AI becomes more and more ubiquitous and you will not be able to tell the difference between an image that is a real image or video, let's say, of the president saying, actually we we nuked in Mexico yesterday and it's completely fake and you will not be able to tell. You know, right now there are little, little tricks with AI because it's not perfect yet where you can kinda tell, the mouths don't match perfectly, sometimes there are six fingers instead of five, some weird things like that, but all of this stuff It's coming, it's on the way. And until we figure out how we're gonna relate to all of it, and we know the fact that now we have a generation, at least probably two generations of young people who do have more anxiety, who suicide rates are up. And it's not purely because of Facebook and Instagram. And it's also because of COVID lockdowns and a bunch more that by the way, many senators and Congress people were for, Uh, but we've got this toxic stew and we've gotta figure out how to extricate ourselves from that. Otherwise border, Middle East, Ukraine, Russia, everything else, those are those are gonna be secondary problems to a society that's just gonna be kind of wandering around uh, with, a, with a really kind of scrambled eggs for brains. And that, I would say, is problematic. We've got a Rubenreport.locals.com community QA coming up for you in just a second. But first, let me talk to you guys about Gravity Defier shoes. Guys, I wanna tell you something that's been making my days a whole lot easier. Gravity Defier shoes, these shoes are something else. I mean, everyone knows I'm a fan of comfortable footwear, but these shoes take it to a whole new level. More than just shoes, they're basically clouds for your feet. I'm not kidding. In a double blind study by Olive View UCLA Medical Center and published in the Journal of the American Podiatric Medical Association, participants experienced 85% less knee pain. It's the most powerful shock absorption system put into a shoe. Gravity Defire has patented Verso Shock technology. It's like a mini trampoline in your shoes. Whether you're strolling through the park, running errands, or even just lounging at home, these shoes have got your back, or I should say your feet. Even better, they're stylish. You get both comfort and style that'll look good and feel great. And here's a little extra love for listeners of the Rubin Report. Uh, Use code Rubin30 for an exclusive 30% off orders of $150 more. Uh, $150 or more. Uh, yes, you heard it right. A little gift from g to your feet. Experience the miracle that is G-Dify, where comfort meets innovation. And now back to me. Here we go. RubenReport.locals.com community Q&A. Lano says the great Republic of Texas existed from 1836 to 1845, was seventh to secede and didn't rejoin the union of the US until 1870. Legally, we can't secede, but did you know we can divide our state into five according to our constitution? How deeply can you see the cleavage between red and blue states becoming ultimately? And did you think a house, and do you think a house divided can stand? Is that true? Texas could split itself. Yes, I'm getting a yes on that. They're fact-checking before I'm asking the questions. Texas can split itself into five states? Well, that would be quite interesting, right? If you had four red states and then whatever. Austin is, is the blue state. Well, that that would help in terms of senators. Um, What, wait, sorry, was the question, do I think secession will ever happen? Was that, so the question though, was about this division between the red and blue states, which we're obviously talking about a lot and I think has really escalated now into the mainstream. Like online people have been talking about this for quite some time. You all know about the mass migration from red to blue and very rarely from blue to red and all that stuff. Uh, But now, especially in light of the Supreme Court decision on the border, Texas, sending the National Guard, 24 other Republican states going in on that. You can feel that this red, blue thing, uh, it's going from just sort of like this like um, esoteric idea that people talk about to like there's something concrete really happening right now. Do I think a house divided can stand? You know, I've mentioned many times that what I think can happen ultimately is the red states sort of do have to go their own way. And by the way, they've been doing that. It is very, very different if you live in Florida than if you live in California, if you live in Texas or you live in New York. So states are doing their own things, which, which is exactly the way the Constitution was set up and the Federalist Papers and all of those things. And that is good. Now, the, the more interesting part of the question is the second part, can a house divided stand? At some point, if we keep going our separate ways, and if ultimately, the federal government does not do its basic jobs like protect the border and they just keep demanding more tax money from everybody and they keep going on adventurous wars and all those things. At some point, there will be a mass movement and you can feel it bubbling in Texas already, I would say to a lesser degree in Florida, but some other states as well. Like, why are we in this union? What is this union providing us? We are Texans, This is the, we have plenty of land here and plenty of resources and we've got oil and we've got land to grow food, and we have a set of values here, and and we're gonna run our own country. Like, that's not the craziest thing ever. Now, I would prefer that it didn't, and then I also fear that if the red states kind of do their own thing, the blue states will never let them go. If New York was like, you know what? We're seceding from the union. Florida would be like, hell yeah. That was more of a Texas accent, but you get it. And, and I just don't think it'll happen the other way because the blue states will always want the resources and especially the cash of the red states. And, and that is gonna be a real problem. So I will fight to keep the union together like Abraham Lincoln, but I, under, I certainly understand why people would give up on the experiment. Uh, Veronica says, would you ever support an independent or alternative party candidate for a local statewide or national election Uh, what would it take for you to do so? Well, I absolutely would. I mean, you know, we're stuck in this uh, this artificial binary, basically of Democrats and Republicans. I think there's something super interesting happening with RFK right now, which is that perhaps, perhaps, you know, he left the Democrat Party, so he's an independent. Now you can't get on the ballot just as an independent and obviously being a right-in isn't gonna do anything, but there are other parties that are on most of the state ballots. The one other party that's on every single other ballot is the Libertarian party. Now he's not a pure Libertarian, obviously, but in terms of individual rights and in terms of COVID stuff, particularly the Libertarians love RFK. So why not, if you're RFK, just be like, hey, I'm I'm just gonna take over the party. Wouldn't that be something if he just, he said it, they, they'd be insane to say no to him, right? The Libertarians get, check, what did, what did, what's her name get? Like less than 1% of the vote last year. I think she got like mm-hmm. point, yeah, Joe Jorgensen last election, I think she got like 0.4% or something. Um, and that was down a bit from what Gary Johnson had done uh, in 2016. So they never get any traction. They're, they're kind of a circus of a party. But if he just went in and said, I'm taking over, that would at least, they would have to put some of their differences aside, which libertarians are oddly not good at. Uh, and then you see where the chips fall. But if he does that, and now he's on all 50 states, on all those ballots, the guy could get 25% of the of the electorate. And then the question is, where does that come from? On one hand, you could argue that's gonna come more from Trump because that's that would be like, you know, the people that really just sorta of hate Trump, but they've kinda of had it with Biden, so the disaffected liberal, which is what RFK is. On the other hand, you could say he's gonna take more from Biden because he left the Democrat party and that's Biden's party. Joe Jorgensen did get about 1% of the vote. I mean, there's just simply no doubt he could 10X that and that would be real. Anyway, all that to be said, I absolutely would vote for an independent. I don't really, you know, what do I always tell you? I'm a Florida Republican, but not a national Republican. And give me give me some good candidates who basically want the government out of our life and want some fiscal responsibility and just kinda, I don't know, we'll have roads and cops. That would be pretty good. Uh, Mitchell says, random thought, if Biden becomes even worse as a president and both the left and the right get mad enough to vote for the Republican candidate, has he then become the unifier that he professes to be? Well, that's an interesting question because You know, we played some clips yesterday of Joe Rogan talking about how insane everything's gotten on the left and he hasn't moved and you've all heard that story before. And what I keep saying is there's this huge, huge swath of people. Russell Brand was talking about this with Tucker. There's this like whole thing happening right now where these people who have nothing to do with each other, who are not supposed to be in the same political party, are all at least waking up to the same stuff in large part because of COVID. Now, it doesn't mean they're all gonna vote the same way, but if basically everybody, and I do kind of feel this, like how many of you, how many of you out there right now, I would love to know the answer to this, please comment in locals, like know people that really think that Biden is not only doing a great job, but he, that he's really president, like meeting the buck stops with him and this is all coming from him and that he really should be running again right now. I don't know that I know anyone that really believes that. I do know Democrats. I know people that voted for Biden. They're all kind of like, yeah, this is pretty bad. And I think they realized uh, how bad it got, uh, particularly in these last couple of weeks with the border stuff. But now you see more of the videos of him breaking down mentally and wandering off and everything else. So wouldn't that be something if it wasn't a uniting message on the right that brought everybody together, because Trump's not the best uniter, but it was actually the craziness of the left that brought everybody together. That would be something.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat>
2: Uh, Antoinette says, do you remember meeting my nephew at your show? You called him Bahama something. Uh, oh, I think maybe I do. He had just recently had his red pill moment at that show. Uh, this weekend, we had a family gathering and he was relentlessly trying to convince my the view watching mom and sister about the psyop they're falling for. You had a large part in him waking up Uh, The ripple is growing. Just thought I would encourage you to keep up the good fight. I'm thrilled to hear that. I do remember, I don't remember. Oh, we have a picture even. Yes, I called him Tommy Bahama because that looks like a Tommy Bahama shirt. That's a shirt for a guy having a good time. You know what I mean? Nobody sees a guy in that shirt and like, he's real stuff, you know, stuck up, you know, whatever. Uh, That's great to hear. I I love to hear that and and I hope that ripple continues. Uh, Eddie says, uh, with all the positive attention, going towards uh, Texas governor, Greg Abbott. Your thoughts on him being Trump's VP, uh, you secure Texas in 24 thoughts. I mean, it seems to me, Texas, which, you know, a couple of years ago had a weird little blue moment. People thought Beto uh, was gonna become Senator and then Ted Cruz just narrowly beat him, but then, tech, you know, Beto got crushed in his governor race against Abbott. So it seems like Texas is solidly red right now. Like, I don't think it's that close. So I don't know that's why you would choose Abbott. You might choose Abbott uh, because he's a pretty good statesman. And he is leading the front now with this, with this situation related to the border. So there's something there. I mean, there's a couple other guys that I... The thing is, Trump needs to widen the net. So all, I see all of MAGA's like, it's gotta be Bebek, it's gotta be Bebek. Or it's gotta be um, Kirstie Noem up in South Dakota. You know, they want like the, the red meat, Carrie Lake types, like just the MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. But that's not what you need with Trump. With Trump, you need someone that softens the edges, that, that maybe brings in some more suburban women, et cetera. So I seriously do think there's still a chance it's gonna be Nikki Haley, because the base will do whatever Trump wants them to do. And if Nikki Haley, if she does decently, when by the time we get to South Carolina in a couple of weeks, and then maybe she drops out after that, it's like she was Trump's UN ambassador, US ambassador to the UN and did a fine job there. And it's like, oh, she will bring in some of these women. She's got, you know, you may not like her, but she's got some group of people that do, and those are the type of people that Trump needs. I'd say like more more kind of like obvious ones that maybe aren't like hardcore insane MAGA, but like could widen it a little bit. Maybe, maybe a Rand Paul, but it's a little niche to do to fully libertarians. So that's probably not gonna be it. Ted Cruz would be nice. How about Marco Rubio? You take a guy from Florida who, you know, had presidential aspirations at some time. You wanna get, you guys wanna throw in a name? Anyone wanna throw in a name? You can't do Marco Rubio because they're both from Florida. I've been overridden by my own employee. Tulsi Gabbard, of course, that's the one that probably is is the most sort of like magical, right? Because you take an ex-Democrat Congresswoman who clearly loves the country. She's pretty, she's young. The the Democrats absolutely hate her. Hillary Clinton said she was a Russian asset. So she'd love to go off on the Democrats. Um, I think that that probably gets you some more of the female vote. She's a veteran. Um, That that might be the one. Uh, All right, let's see what else. Conservative Chica says, with the push to make the United States a third world country well underway, what are their languages are you gonna teach the boys? Oh man. Um, Well, look, we we are in Miami, it's South Florida. There's a lot of Cubans and Venezuelans here and a mixed match of other people. So there's a lot of Spanish being spoken here. Um, Sometimes the boys do call water agua at this point, which I think is from our housekeeper. I guess, I mean, Spanish seems like the most obvious one. Chinese, probably not the worst thing. Like, I don't want the world to become more like China, but in terms of like which way the world is sort of going and being able to go to another land and speak their language and the opportunities that that could present, that would be pretty good. Phoenix speaks a little Chinese. Say something in Chinese for me. Wow. And what, really what was that? Ruben Report is the best show ever. I love working at the Ruben Report. Dave Reuben, best boss. What'd you say? What'd you say? I said
1: that. <laughs> no, but what was it?
2: what did you translate? No,
1: I said, sorry, my Mandarin is bad, but I think Brock is really
2: pretty. Sorry, my Mandarin is bad, but I think Brock is really pretty. So you can see why I would want to speak uh, Chinese. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth says, if you had to teach a skill, what skill would you choose? Look, well, it's skills that I that I actually have. I think probably public speaking would be the one. Like, I think there's just some ways to get over some of you know. People are so afraid. Seinfeld used to have a joke about that. People's number one fear is public speaking and their number two fear is death, which means that if you go to a funeral, you'd rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. And it's like, I, I've never really understood that. I always was very com- comfortable in front of a crowd. Like, I feel like, especially if you have the mic, you have all of the power. When I was doing stand-up, I liked to get heckled because I was like, you're not, you're not gonna beat me. So there are some ways to like, just calmly do things and, and to know what you're saying and not be over scripted. And, you know, when I give talks, like I usually don't spend much time thinking about what i'm going to do or have it up you know like really hardcore planned out i kind of five minutes before i bullet a few things in my head and i just kind of like i can so, just sort of see it like i want to get here and if i'm here then i'll get here and then i'll get here and then i'll get here and then i just know where the end is going to be and i go go from here to here that's how i do it and and people seem to dig it and appreciate just someone that can go on stage and not look at notes you know i've been to a lot of conferences where guys get up there podium They're reading the entire time. You get up there other times, people dripping with sweat, people that are stammering and stuttering. And I think I could probably uh, teach a decent class on that. James says, uh, you have noted that the three deceased service members were all black. Uh, Do you expect that this tragedy will be used by the likes of BLM to further their claim that these deaths prove systemic racism? Well, fortunately, BLM at the moment has kind of disappeared, although it has morphed into a Hamas organization. You know, there's a weird thing. So these these three servicemen, uh, two women actually, uh, but three service people die in, in this drone attack in Jordan, about 30 others injured. So there could be more deaths after that. The three that died happened to be black. And it puts everything, because everything is so racialized. It shouldn't matter if a service person dies, it shouldn't matter what skin color they are. But it was just like an interesting little piece of the puzzle that they happened to be black. It's a Democrat administration. Now is Biden the Democrat gonna escalate the war? Democrats are supposed to be against war, but now it's the Republican Party that seems to be more anti-war than Democrats. It just, again, it shows that there's this just like crazy weird connection now of people that are seeing things a little outside just the traditional Republican and Democrat boxes. Uh, Melanie says, uh, what did you like about the Crown Netflix series? We watched the whole series because of you letting us know that you were watching it can't tell if you liked it or not. I sense that you didn't by that question. Um, I like period pieces. I like things that are based in history. Or I, I usually I like things that are loosely based in history, not necessarily like true like historical recreations. Um, like Downton Abbey, I absolutely love. Like just love, love, love. I, I do like British uh, period pieces for some for some reason. Um, the Crown I liked because I think there's something really. Uh, even if you don't love all of the drama around the crown now, right? If you don't love all of the, uh, who's the chick? And what's his name? The redhead and the chick. The redhead, the son. Who? Harry and and Meghan. Meghan. See, that's how little I pay attention to these people. It's like, even if you don't love all the drama around that, there is something about the idea of the crown and how it was, it is, it was and is so deeply embedded into their society that it, it exists no matter what. So the beauty of the show is that you get to see Queen Elizabeth as she goes from being a very, very young queen, right? Uh, because the king abdicated the throne, which is a whole other story which they go into. She becomes a very young queen when she didn't anticipate it. And then she ended up living into her, I think late 80s or 90s. She only passed away, what was it, a year or two ago. You see how prime ministers come and go Administrations come and go. The country becomes more left and more right. She's sitting there with Winston Churchill during World War II, and then you see her with Tony Blair 20 years ago and how the having something constant kind of keeps the country alive and it's also like there's so much pomp and circumstance related to it you can see the tension between these uber rich people who have everything and a country that sometimes could be in a recession or a depression and yet still the the many of the people still love the idea of the crown some of them hate it how they how do they deal with with modernizing i mean that was a, that's a constant Uh, theme of the show. How do you modernize in a system that you believe should be eternal that you don't want to destroy as you modernize it? So there's a a lot of stuff there. I thought the acting was excellent. Like they clearly spent a ton of money. The Princess Diana stuff, they did a couple episodes on, on when she died and the family's feelings before that and after and everything else. Yeah, I dug it. Did you like it? I can't tell.
0: Families have a lot going on.
2: one company, what would it be and why? I mean, the easy answer here is Disney, right? Like they should not own so much stuff that our dreams are comprised of. They shouldn't own Marvel and Star Wars. It's too much, right? You wanna, if you, it's a great argument for decentralization. Imagine if they they were, these companies or these products, these, these, um, these stories were decentralized. And then you had interesting people working on these on these projects. So they weren't hired because the Star Wars director wants to make men feel scared. And the director of Marvel wants to show you that women are ruling the universe and that we have to push one story for boys and one story for girls. And we're gonna teach people about systemic racism while they're in a galaxy far, far away. So Disney would be the company to de-wokeify. I do think, uh, and by the way, um, just yesterday, Florida, DeSantis won, like officially won all of his lawsuits against Disney. So it's like, maybe Disney has some subtle turnaround, but you know, once woke gets into the system, it's pretty hard to get it out. Uh, Christine says, for Lent, can we give up the view and all things joy? Uh, well, I'm not Christian, but you know, it would be nice if for Lent, maybe for Lent, for, for the Lent, should we give up Joy Behar and Joy Reid on the show would that? Lent. All right, we're doing Ruben Report Lent. We will not, can I really commit to that?
1: No view.
2: No, not no view, just joy. How about Joy Behar? No Joy Behar and no Joy Reid. For a month? It's a month? Yeah. You ask a lot of me, but I guess that's the point. That's the point. So yes, we will give up Joy Reid and Joy Behar for Lent. Our views are gonna bottom out. (laughs) Uh, Lloyd says, what do you think of the possibility that print newspapers will cease to exist by the end of the decade? By the end of the decade, so you're giving them about six years. um, Probably not completely... uh, like completely, completely gone. I think there's something about tangible something, and there'll be a certain amount of people of a certain age, mostly my age and above, that will always remember that, enjoy it. You know, it's funny. I don't, I don't subscribe to a newspaper here at home, but when I'm on vacation, uh, especially when I'm going to the beach, I like having a newspaper. I'm not even reading for the serious news, but like there's just something about just having something you can pick up, put down. It's real. It's not this thing, so you're not seeing if you're getting texts and and phone calls and all that kind of stuff, and you're not on social media. Um, so I don't think they will completely go away, but they they are crumbling. I mean, Los Angeles Times—it was a big story last week. They laid off about 130 people. Um, clearly, people are are canceling subscriptions. They're obviously going more digital. Uh, but I one of my favorite things to do back in the day in New York City when I was doing standup—you could buy a New York Post for a quarter. When the days when you used to keep ch- change in your pocket, and I, they would always have the newsstands right by the subway, and I'd be riding the subway and just flipping through the New York Post and it was easy to read. You could get a little bit of information and move on with your life. Samantha says, Dave, have you listened to Ben Shapiro's rap song with Tom McDonald? And if so, what do you think about it? Well, as a matter of fact, Ben Shapiro is my guest on the show Monday. Monday. Uh, I interviewed him yesterday and we talked a bit about the rap, we played some of it and you know, Look, rap is not my thing. You guys know I like all my musicians named Frank. Frank Sinatra, Frankie Valli. Give me one more Frank. I don't have particular feelings about Frank Ocean, but he fit, so I I'm not a rap guy. It's kind of funny because Ben Ben is obviously not a rap guy too, which is sort of how this whole thing uh, came together. But the fact that it's the number one uh, song on all of iTunes really does tell you something about culture or about how people get music or something like that. Uh, Speaking of people in studio, we had Dr. Drew, my old Californian friend who I told to leave and now he realizes I was right. He was right here in studio. Part one is up right now. Full thing is up on Locals already. New Twitter account on X, at Ruben Report Show if you wanna get show clips. And we leave you with Hunter Biden being a creep. Goodbye.